Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Childs discusses appropriate winter housing facilities and how they can prevent incidents of mastitis. Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's Let's Talk Dairy. So as I said last week, we're starting um, a series of, of uh, webinars over the next three weeks that we're going to cover different aspects of uh, winter housing and selecting cows and tubing technique in relation to drying off cows, which is quite literally only right around the corner now at this stage. Um, a lot of cows are, are going to start, or well, heifers in particular, as I said, in the last couple of weeks are going to be starting to be dried off in the next fortnight or three weeks. Um, and indeed, some may already be um, dried off in earlier calving herds uh, further south. So as I said, today we're going to focus a little bit on, very briefly, on uh, winter housing, I suppose, and the role that that can play in terms of uh, ensuring a successful dry period. So I suppose um, this is in conjunction with AHI um, and they'll be running Cell Check Week next week and I'll show you the details around that. Um, There's just some videos going to be released on different topics and emphasising the importance of um, doing your dry period and dry therapy correctly especially in light of the changes that are coming uh, down the tracks at us. So from the 28th of January of next year, even though the legislation hasn't been decided fully as to what it's going to be, um, there will be a reduction or there will be um, a removal of blanket dry coat therapy as we're currently uh, able to avail of. So this is the last season that people will be able to just actively get a prescription for dry coat tubes and if they want to apply them to all cows, so I suppose we need to be looking at the scenario of selective and how we can make that work on our farms. And as I said, there's just going to be bits and pieces. Willie Buckley will be on next week uh, to talk about selecting the cows that are appropriate for, for drying off using selective dry cow therapy. Um, and that's one part of the process. Then the week after Don is going to talk about the actual tubing technique, which is also another part of the process but probably one of the processes that we don't maybe put enough emphasis on or in our own heads maybe or on our own farms is around the whole housing element of, a, of the dry cow period and how that influences the performance of the dry cow therapy that we are using. Uh, that said, winter housing also has an influence in terms of mastitis control um, while cows are, are milking. And in, especially in the springtime, I suppose, to a lesser extent, maybe in the... Um, in the later part of lactation because cows aren't maybe as full don't tend to leak as much maybe uh, but they, you, we often see where we have difficult fe- months of february and cows are housed for long periods of time as a result where, where people would be banking on getting out earlier maybe um, in order to kind of alleviate pressure on housing and um, that can backfire in terms of causing a significant amount of mastitis in herds like that so i'm just going to go through a couple of slides in relation to um dry cow housing and our housing, winter housing, and how that's going to influence your um, mastitis situation. So just full screen here. So winter housing and mastitis prevention. I suppose the objective that we're trying to provide or produce or provide when we're housing our stock is to provide a clean, dry environment for the cow to lie down on or lie down in. Uh, and if we can achieve those, we're going to be a long, long way to achieving a good process or a good, good scenario from the point of view of um, 
creating the right environment that's low in a bacterial loading scenario so that if our cow is lying in um, uh, in that environment, the risk that's posed to them of contracting something via that environment is reduced quite significantly. So clean is obviously something that we can control ourselves uh, quite significantly by the practices that we employ on, on our farms and how we in, um, go about keeping our cubicles clean. The dry environment uh, can be a factor of, of a number of issues, I suppose, uh, and we'll take a look at them in a second. So cleanliness, as I said already, the objective is that you're reducing the bacterial load. Uh, you'll all know that with the best will in the world, there'll be a lot of houses that are spotlessly clean now at the moment, just before cows are going in, having been power washed, uh, maybe disinfected even, um, which would be the creme de la creme, I suppose. Um, before housing, there are people then that have no housing washed at all. Uh, and for some reason, they managed to get away with it. But ideally, you would have your facilities very clean, uh, very well um, washed at least and disinfected before cows are housed at all. That's getting you off to a good start, obviously, if there's uh, still the remnants of dung and bacteria possibly that uh, were left on the cubicles when cows finished using them in May, March or April last year, possibly, then there's po the possibility that they can get reactivated again, I suppose. They can lie dormant for to a certain extent because they're not exposed particularly to sunlight, which could dry them out and, and kill them. Um, so there is a possibility that when a damp environment comes around them again, that they could reactivate again. So uh, reducing the bacterial load is important. I suppose how often we clean cubicles then is obviously going to have a significant role in terms of reducing that bacterial load. So obviously if you go through your cubicle shed at least once a day uh, during the dry period and clean and dust or lime or whatever um, material you want to use in terms of bedding those cubicles, then you're impacting on the bacterial load that's in the cow's other environment when they're lying down. Cleaning cubicles is probably something that uh, would be is, is highly recommended in terms of during the dry period. You often hear people saying that they do nothing once cows are dried off. find it hard to believe how that can be successful given that with the best will in the world, with the best shade in the world, um, cubicles are going to be some way soiled uh, nearly every day anyway because cows are stepping up and stepping off onto, onto passageways and they are going to carry bacteria up onto that and obviously then their feet are in the general vicinity of where the rudder is when they lie down so there is going to be a bacterial load there and if that's not cleaned away and uh, disinfected I suppose to some extent um, then the risk is going to be increased obviously of bacteria uh, accessing the other through the tea canal potentially. So for uh, milking cows, I suppose, would be where they're housed fully, which is possibly coming in the next number of weeks now as grass is beginning to um, fade away. Definitely going to be in by night, uh, if not already in by night on farms in around the country soon. Um, so we have to clean those cubicles every time the cows are on those cubicles. So uh, clean, scrape them off or brush them off. Uh, and use lime or peat or sawdust, I suppose. Um, sawdust and lime would be the most common, lime in particular being the most common. Uh, and I suppose just even um, maybe the choice of disinfecting those cubicles during the dry period with maybe the likes of um, a liquid disinfectant can actually have a, a positive impact in terms of mastitis prevention as well. So twice a day for dry cows immediately post dry off. I have that there with question marks. Obviously time is a limiting factor for a lot of people and it is one of the most time consuming jobs on a farm uh, is, is liming cubicles because it's slow, um, it's a bit of toing and froing. 
lot of people beginning to move in the direction of automating that to a certain extent in terms of um, machines to do them. And obviously that speeds up the process. And it also, like everything we talk about, it's regularizing how that job is done on the farm as well. So if I'm doing the cubicles or if a different person is doing the cubicles, if there's a machine being used for it, for it and everybody knows how to use the machine, the process will be done generally the same. However, different people will scrape cubicles differently, may lime them differently, um, and they, that can vary. There can be variation in the quality of the job done then basically between different operators. So again, I suppose at, at the very minimum, I would be suggesting that people will lime uh, dry cow cubicles um, once a day, even during the dry period uh, when everything is shut down completely. From a labor management point of view, uh, I think the most successful way is probably either pushing in feed or putting in fresh feed uh, encourages cows to get up and go to the feed barrier. Uh, another row, uh, another emphasis here, I suppose, is that cows have adequate access to feed barrier, which uh, means that all cows can feed at the same time. That empties generally in, tends to empty cubicle beds uh, and allows people, a person to come in maybe and uh, work relatively freely without having to get cows up and so forth out of their way and can speed up the process of actually uh, cleaning the cubicles. So pushing in feed, as I said, encourages, generally encourages cows to get up um, and that makes the job of cleaning cubicles for dry cows a little bit easier. Obviously with milking cows, it's very easy. They're moved to the collecting yard and cubicle spaces are free then to clean. Um, but just maybe working a little bit uh, smarter around how you're, you're using, managing your feed can actually help to encourage dry cows to be off the beds when you want to clean them. So clean cubicles are a priority anyway, I think, especially for making cows uh, and without a doubt uh, for, dry, for dry cows in the immediate post dry off period and for definite. Uh, and uh, we'll be we would recommend strongly that people um, lime their cubicles during the dry period as well. So I suppose the, the situation around the actual post dry off period, why, why are we saying for maybe um, to do it twice a day at that stage? So when we tube cows, um, we're putting in sealers now. If, we, if we're going into an, a non-antibiotic environment, we're depending on that sealer to do the job for us. And to a certain extent, obviously, we wouldn't be using them if they weren't going to do something. But at the same time, you want to give them every chance uh, to, to be effective. And as you know, with the, even with low volumes of milk um, being produced pr immediately prior to dry off, and I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, um, in terms of making sure the cows are kind of shutting down in the in advance of using any tubes on them, they will tend to bag up a small bit uh, in the immediate post dry off period because they're expecting to be milked. Their brain is 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 quite literally telling them that they should be milked, and there's that signal from the other of milk not being removed from the other has to go back to the brain to tell the brain to stop telling the other to start letting down milk. Um, so it just does take a few days. So cows do swell. A little bit there's a bit of oedema maybe uh, associated with uh, the post dry off period and we need to make sure that those cubicles are as clean as possible for to prevent any risk of bacteria it's coming it's going back to that reducing the bacterial load in the other area so that there isn't going to be a piece of muck or dirt at the end of a heat that while it has been sealed it's obviously if there's contact there constantly there's a risk bacteria are minute they're small they could potentially get in around it uh, and get into the other and we have that awkward scenario then of where we're trying to maybe treat a dry cow uh, for mastitis potentially 
or it, it develops into mastitis over the um, dry period, which hits us then in the busy, busy spring period. So I, I would say from the point of view of the dry cow period, if you could uh, manage to dry or to as cows or, or group cows as they're being dried off, and maybe if you're not in a position to give that kind of level of focus to drying, uh, to cubicle management for the whole herd, at least focus on making sure that the cubicles of the cows that have been dried off in the very recent times are kept to a very high standard for possibly two to three weeks post dry off, okay? But again, I will emphasize that the ideal scenario is that we're keeping all cubicles at a very high standard of hygiene throughout the, the dry period in order to minimize those bacterial loads that are coming into contact with cows. Again, helping to reduce those bacterial loads then is keeping feeding areas and passageways um, clean. So running scrapers very regularly, every six to eight hours, obviously with smaller volumes of slurry being pushed down through the passageways then uh, as a result of that, rather than quite big um, volumes being shoved um, if running them less frequently. Uh, and I suppose removing the buildup, obviously, um, when we move on to silage, we tend to get a bit of a drier dung farming. And at the end of scrapers, and in many cases, uh, you can find a buildup there are uh, options out there, I suppose, for um, kind of a pieces that can be put onto the end of scrapers that will work as the scraper is moving back and forth in order to work the, the buildup of material down through slats at the end of it. Um, but if there, are, if you don't have that option, it's probably advisable to be moving away every few days, at least, if not every day, maybe moving away the buildup that comes at the end of the scrapers. Now, it has its advantages in that if, if that buildup gets significant, sometimes scrapers can hop off and they, they um, don't work, obviously, for a period of time. And then we have a very significant buildup as well. Uh, and that creates its own problems in that passageways get dirty and those are standing on passageways. Then they step up onto cubicles and they obviously, if they have very dirty feet, as they step up onto the cubicle, they're now making their cubicle very dirty as well. Um, the other thing that that's good from the point of view of removing that buildup is unless you have quite a big wide area at the end of the cubicle passage, um, or the scraper passage, the cows can actively avoid walking through the, the buildup. Uh, if they're forced to walk through that buildup, it means that their hooves are now getting uh, quite dirty and quite can be quite wet as well as a result of um, stepping through that dung at the end of the cubicles pass or scraper passages on an ongoing basis. And that can have a negative impact in terms of martillero developing over the winter period in particular because Martillero, can, if it's in the environment, it's uh, but the environment is managed relatively well, it can be managed as such. But if it's in the environment and the environment isn't managed well, it can uh, materialize. So I suppose just keep, again, no different to keeping the order clean and dry. We're also looking to try and keep hooves as clean and dry as possible as well to minimize the risk of, of those kind of infections. And again, weighting of hooves, obviously many people will have seen it there in the last number of weeks with passageways getting that bit soft and uh, and the fat coming up through them as, as the description goes uh, in the last couple of weeks as well, and how that can affect lameness as well. So obviously the same applies. We're now standing on a very hard surface in concreted areas in particular, and um, so we need good, strong hooves. So we don't want to be waiting those hooves, which is going to soften them uh, any further. So if we can help that, that works from a hoof health point of view, but particularly effective in terms of keeping the cubicles clean. In terms of the dryness, I suppose, why are we talking about dryness? Cubicles need to be kept dry because moisture encourages bacterial growth. So you'll see that in anything that you do, maybe if there's a bit of bacteria left in the corner of a, a shed, 
calf houses are a good example of it, I suppose, bacterial growth in, in uh, over time, if it's left there, it's, you'll all have seen bits of fur and stuff developing, which is bacterial growth in a lot of cases, uh, where bacteria are, are left in place and the moisture obviously is in contact with them as well. So we often talk about cleaning calf houses that we need to re reduce them or uh, remove the manure and then let them dry out. And that drying out effect is important in terms of killing bacteria as much as possible. And, and we'll talk, we talk about taking the uh, gates and so forth out of a calf house and putting them outside in UV sunlight so that you get further, you get desiccation of the bacteria, but you also get the effect of the UV on it as well. So you can't do that with a shade. So you need to try and make sure that it's dry. Fall of the cubicle is going to be important in terms of shedding the liquid. And what I mean by shedding the liquid is everybody will have cows that are just going to lie in the cubicle and lift their tail uh, and urinate on the cubicle maybe. You want that to flow off the cubicle and that's going to help to keep the, the cubicle dry in itself. So obviously in the immediate post um, urination period, that when the cow has, has done what she's done, the cubicle is wet. But if the fall is correct on the cubicle, it's going to dry off itself more or less naturally in that the, um, the, the liquid will shed off the, off the cubicle bed itself. The, where it might not dry is in when we come to the next point. So shed ventilation is, an, is a factor. And I suppose we've probably seen it in a number of cases and maybe you've come across it at different stages as well in relation to um, where, where sheds have been, or where herds are, are expanding and there hasn't been the capacity, I suppose, or the, we're building the numbers maybe before we're building the shed, which is, has been the case on a lot of farms in the last number of years. Uh, and as a result, sheds are quite heavily stocked uh, and shed ventilation comes under pressure because we've more animals in that shed than we should have uh, on a per meter square basis or per meter cube basis in terms of ventilation. So the ventilation is, is compromised within the shed uh, and basically we kind of have a damp, moist environment in that shed on an ongoing basis. And it's very hard for the cubicles then to be dry in that scenario. Uh, and that's a factor also in terms of cubicle hygiene and so forth as well. So uh, shed ventilation, uh, the shed itself or, or the overstocking of the shed can influence. So how can we get around that? I suppose we've a couple of weeks maybe to, to housing or maybe in the next number of weeks, I suppose, before sheds are very stocked. There may be an opportunity to adjust the ventilation of a shed by particularly um, on older roofs, maybe where there might be low, just raising sheets if they're not already raised in order to just let out the heat that's been generated by the stock, uh, that stack effect that we often talk about, which will just basically move the moisture from the shade. Uh, and that in itself will help to help dry the environment as well. I suppose then again, I often, I've often seen um, worn kind of worn cubicles or worn cubicle mats probably aren't the end of the world to an extent, but what they can do is maybe harbor moisture if there are little cracks or crevices in them, they can hold moisture in place. Uh, what is a bigger issue is probably where you see uh, cubicle mats curling, uh, obviously at the ends. So individual mats are probably more prone to it than the, the, the rolls of matting, obviously because of the weight of the roll of matting, but individual mats curling up at the ends of the cubicle. And as a result, they're creating a pond effect in the lying environment of the cow. So they should be replaced uh, in order to, again, allow the cubicle bed and mesh to have the fall of the cubicle bed. And that cubicle bed then, obviously, by virtue of its fall, or cubicle mat by virtue of the fall of the bed that it's placed on, which should shed the liquid that we're trying to eliminate from the, um, the cubicle area and the lying area of the cow. 
There are some people across the country using straw. Um, again, I suppose that the vast majority of cows in the country are, are on cubicle bedding uh, for the most part. But if you are using straw, it's no different. Again, a lot of this ties in with cow, uh, calf housing, I suppose. If you are using straw, you need to use a lot of it to maintain dry conditions. Uh, and the slope of the floor is going to be important there, uh, no different to calf housing. Uh, the slope of the floor to again it's shedding the liquid basically so if there is a liquid landing on the surface that it's been moved away from the bedding area so that the bedding isn't actually just lying in in liquid which is going to influence uh, the the um, dryness of that bedding obviously so if we can if you are using straw bedding and it's it's same for calving areas as well trying to um when we do come to that point in time which can then influence mastitis also keeping them clean in terms of using lots of straw to keep them clean, but keeping them dry by using a lot of straw and having wood falls on the floor in order to eliminate the liquid from underneath is, is, is important as well. I suppose coming back to the cubicles element of it then, spacious cubicles with a mat would be recommended. Now, there are some people maybe that still have concrete cubicles, they're cold, they're hard, uh, cows probably, if they don't have a choice, will lie in them, but obviously, it's, they're easy, it's easier to clean a mat than to clean, clean um, concrete cubicles, I suppose. Uh, so they should be comfortable as possible and spacious. So I suppose spacious is talking about your kind of 1, 1.1 meter spacing in terms of width, the length. Um, you can see that some cubicles where they're fitted into houses um, that are narrow, narrow cubicle beds as such, are not, they don't have great depth. Uh, cows maybe don't lie in them as well. So that, can, that influences... The, the usage of the cubicle, which is important as well. And second point there is making that the area needs to be comfortable to lie down on. So look, there isn't a whole lot of time maybe to do something in that regard, but maybe for the coming year, uh, it might be something that you need to, to examine. So look at your cows lying down. Do they lie down pretty readily in the, into the cubicle? Are they comfortable when they are lying down? Are they comfortable when they're getting up? Do they, you see a lot of cows lying down a, a lot of the time during the, the winter period? So they come to the barrier, they feed, they go all lie down. That's the ideal scenario. It's no different to being out of grass, only that they're inside in the shed. You want them to eat and lie down. When they're lying down, they're uh, content generally, uh, and obviously they're after feet as well, which is good for hoof health again. Um, so the, those comfortable lying areas are important. And it, I suppose we'll, um, the brisket board then, is the contrary to the shorter cubicle. So some cubicles can be quite long and cows can be quite far in on the cubicle and that doesn't lend to, while it, while it might be comfortable to a certain extent, um, it's bad from a cleanliness point of view because they're very far in on the cubicle bed and they do tend to dirty it quite a lot. So again, if they lift their tail to defecate, they do tend to dirty the back of the cubicle. Whereas if we can encourage cows to be aligned correctly in the cubicle itself, and positioned in, in terms of a lying position. So the cubicle is lining the cow up as to where we want them to lie, but a brisket board is actually going to dictate how far forward she lies in that cubicle. And ideally you would like the, the tail to be basically hanging over the edge of the cubicle so that they don't, if they don't, they don't into the into the passageway rather than onto the bed. Um, so a brisket board can ha be, ha be effective in that sense in that it keeps the cow back a, a little, I suppose, um, Again, that's just going to be down to observation. Like some people have quite long cubicles. Um, cows that we have now, by virtue of the breeding index that we've, we're, we're uh, embracing, I suppose, are making cows a little bit shorter, a smaller probably to an extent. Um, so compared to what cubicles might have been on farms a couple of years ago, we uh, may now have a smaller cow 
that's inclined to lie a bit further forward on the cubicle. And while that's not compromising her comfort, really, um, it is compromising the cleanliness of the um, cubicle bed. The other risk with cows lying too far forward in cubicles is that they can actually get stuck in them. Um, and that's a, a bit of a nightmare scenario for anyone that's experienced it from time to time. Uh, and obviously the brisket board, again, will kind of just force them to lie back further on the cubicle. So when they do stand up, they're not caught by the neck rail as much when they're trying to get up and then they don't get into that panicky situation where they're, they're, they can't get up, but they can't move forward or backwards either. So they, they, they eventually get stuck because they kind of keep crawling forward. So brisket boards are useful in that sense as well, uh, in terms of just encouraging the cow to lie in the right position in the cubicle. So uh, look, I talked about the stocking rate already, but I, I suppose it's something that's worth pointing out again. Overstock sh sheds are going to be hard to keep clean because you have a lot of cows. Um, if you have too many cows for the number of cubicles that you have, you have kind of a waiting uh, phase going on all the time. So there'll be cows at the barrier feeding. Um, they'll be the cows that have gotten up last possibly because they wanted to stay lying down for longest. Uh, so they go out to the feed barrier to have least competition for feeding. Um, the other cows then that are standing around waiting for those cubicles to become available are hopping into them and spending as long as they can in them. And sometimes you, you can find scenarios, especially if a cow gets lame, that they will just stay lying in the cubicle because they know that they're not going to get an opportunity to get a cubicle again if they get up. So I suppose what we need to do there in those scenarios is maybe look at the, the plan for the winter. I suppose I would be suggesting that people would look at their milk recording reports and identify other cows that they could be offloading before the winter to help reduce the stocking rate in the shed. Um, maybe even cows that might be in calf that aren't cows that are going to be milked on the farm the coming year, should you be looking to pair company with them in advance of housing in order to try and have an impact in terms of the stocking rate of the shed and the overall um, hygiene of the shed as well. Then, as I said, that, that stocking, overstocking is going to contribute to ventilation issues as well, uh, as well as just making it trickier for, for you yourself to navigate around the sheds look at cows um, generally if cubicles are overstocked feed barriers are overstocked as well and that's a that's another issue in terms of feed access and how cows uh, can operate over the dry period and also trying to deal with cows that need special attention in terms of body condition and so forth as well so i suppose just to emphasize again the, the importance of a clean dry environment for the cow to lie in that environment needs to be particularly clean and dry in the immediate post-dry-off period. Um, but it, it's, it needs to be clean in general, I suppose. But just to emphasize that we need to reduce the exposure of the odor to bacterial loading uh, in the immediate post-dry-off period. And again, in, in reality, just before cows start to calve as well, um, they need to be managed as well, quite well in that scenario. And that in itself produces, um, that means that you have a lot of cubicles to do because the vast majority of people are calving a lot of cows in a very short space of time now, uh, whereas the drying off probably isn't happening as quickly um, as, as calving tends to occur. So clean dry cubicle, uh, bedded with whatever material is your preference. I suppose sawdust is going to dry. There are bacterial properties associated with peat and then lime, obviously, depending on the lime that you use, has a drying effect, but also a very good um, pH adjustment, which uh, is very strong in terms of killing uh, bacteria as well. Um, so whatever product you're using, I suppose sawdust has the uh, advantage that it's going to make be a little bit warmer and drier as well, potentially, um, 
and it offers a soakage that lime probably doesn't. Um, the other thing that people could do is, as I said already, is maybe consider um, treating cubicles with uh, the disinfectants maybe. So there's a number of them out there that disinfectant limes can be used um, or disinfectant sprays can be used, which will dry very readily because they're not, you're not using a, lar a large volume of product when you're using them. And again, all this is just contributing to trying to keep the bacteria load down during the, the dry period. And look, much of what's been said here in relation to dry period is important, as I said at the outset, in relation to milking cows when they do calve in, in, uh, in next January and February, that the cubicle environment that they're lying in is, is maintained in a high level of cleanliness and dryness as much as possible to minimise the risk of bacteria entering the other, because obviously cows that are freshly calved will be maybe have definitely have a greater level of oedema than a cow that's been dried off. Uh, they could be leaking milk, obviously, as well, which is putting liquid into that environment. So our cubicle now needs to be able to handle that, as I said, to shed the liquid. Uh, the material that we're using to bed, it needs to be able to disinfect against any pathogens that might be associated with that. Uh, and overall comfort and cleanliness of those cubicles is very important. So that's how winter housing can contribute significantly to our drying off. If we don't have that in the right situation, I suppose, for the coming winter, you you need to be very careful if you're going to go down the route of selective, especially the stocking rate element of it. I suppose if, if you are going to go down this, the selective route, uh, you'd want very good advice and, and you need to talk to your vet and there will be the opportunity for um, consultations through AHI uh, in relation to that. And Noel McCoy will talk about that next, on next week's webinar briefly. Then identifying those right cows and then having the environment correct for that is going to be important. So just to, as I said, cell check week is happening next week. This is just to, uh, to give you an idea of what's happening. There are going to be videos released over social media over the coming week um, relating to the importance of why we need to move away from antibiotic usage in a blanket sense for dry cows. There's Francis Quigling in Kildalton will have a video in relation to housing. So what I've been talking about today, um, we'll be looking at how you do the tubing element of it effectively, I suppose. So we, there is a risk that we're introducing bacteria when we are tubing potentially. So again, many of you may have seen this over the last number of years with the, the Celcheck um, farm events that we've done in the past. Um, that how you do that successfully is important um, in terms of achieving a positive outcome in terms of drying off. And then we move to the housing element, as I said, then if we've done it right in the parallel when we've dried off, if we do the next element right in terms of the housing or we have our housing right, then we can actually potentially do the, move into this selective dry cow therapy quite successfully, but we need to do it under, under guidance, I suppose. Milk recording, obviously, then is going to be at the focus of Thursday's video. Um, it's going to be very important. Obviously, more uh, co-ops are beginning to make it compulsory and more co-ops are looking at making it compulsory. Um, and it's obviously an important element in relation to uh, identifying cows that do need an antibiotic. So there are cows out there that are going to need an antibiotic and that will be okay, but we will need to be able to prove that those cows do need that antibiotic. So that video is going to focus on that. And then finally, as I said, um, it's just uh, that there is funding available through rural development programs, uh, through AHI uh, under what's called the TESA funded uh, dry cow consult. So you can consult with your vets and most of the vets in the country now at this stage are trained in relation to these consults. Um, in terms of helping you to decide whether it's appropriate or not for you to try selective this year. 
um, and what program you can put in place if, if it's not appropriate for you to do that, what you need to do to position yourself to be ready to take it on uh, next year. So um, we'll leave it at that for today. As I said, next week, uh, Willie Buckley and Finola will be talking about different elements. So Willie will be talking about identifying um, cows using the reports that are suitable for selective and we'll say what to do with the ones that aren't. And Finola will just give further details in relation to how people can uh, access these dry cow consults through their vets. And Willie's one of those vets that's doing those consults on a regular basis with the last number of years. Um, and he'll be able to add to that as well. So that's it for today. Um, thank you for tuning in and uh, we wish you all the best for the coming week and we'll talk to you next week. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.